feel impressed with the Lord to share some scripture. Otherwise, we just come to the Lord's table uh, distracted. I feel like we need to get focused on what we're going to do here shortly. And you know what my biggest uh, concern is for not only me, but for you as well? Do you know what it is? That we just take things commonplace. We just go through the motions. I dare say that we probably today have not probably, maybe some of us have not really focused our heart on what we're about to do unless you've really, uh, you know, have been seeking the Lord about what this is all about. And uh, speaking of that, I had the privilege of preaching last Thursday at, uh, in Social Circle, and a man, 61 years old, his name is Eddie. Eddie said to me, he said, Brother Randy, Pastor, he said, I've been depressed. I said, really? He said, yep, I've been depressed. He said, but the Lord touched my heart. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm not depressed anymore. And I said, well, thank you, Eddie, for sharing that with me. I'm glad that you're not depressed anymore. There's probably some of us today that are discouraged and down. You might have been depressed or maybe feeling a little bit uh, discouraged. I don't know what your situation is, but I'll tell you what, the Lord sure knows how to encourage us when we gather around worshiping and celebrating this time of the year. And uh, what I mean by this time of the year is of the Lord's Supper. And speaking of depressed, I heard about a lady that went to the doctor, her and her husband. She had been chronically depressed. And the doctor said to the husband, said, well, I've looked at your wife, and she indeed is certainly chronically depressed. And, of course, uh, he said to her, he said the husband to the doc, the doctor came out and said, well, I've subscribed to her, prescribed to her the strongest sleeping pills that money can buy. And the husband said, really? You prescribed to her the strongest sleeping pills that money can buy? He said, yes, I have. And then the husband said, well, how often should I give them to her? The doctor said, nope, you don't understand. They're not for her, they're for you, all right? <laughs> he was part of the problem. He didn't know that. But I want to share with you in a few moments, I'll try to condense this down because I want to enjoy time around the Lord's table as well. But I must confess, I even need some preparation. And I know if I do, I know you do as well. Preparation before we get around the Lord's table. I want to share with you briefly a message entitled Examinations from Examination to Transformation. Examination to Transformation. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. What we're going to do today is see there are three examinations I want you to take and me to take as we gather around to celebrate and, yea, to do this in remembrance of the Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And you're well aware of the fact the Apostle Paul wrote this particular letter to the church of Corinth, uh, a church, I might add, that had a lot of challenges like every church I know today, and yet he had some instructions concerning the Lord's table. And so we began reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to pick up, please, in verse number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 through the latter part of that chapter. Now, before we read 1 Corinthians 10, let me just review briefly about what the Apostle Paul has already said, namely in chapter 10. He's talked about, for example, Israel being an example to believers today, even the church of Corinth and the church of New Rocky Creek and how they were delivered through the Red Sea and, 
and uh, the experiences they had, and yet because of their idolatry and because of their immorality, the Lord uh, uh, chastised his people. And then the Apostle Paul gives us a prescription as to how to overcome temptation. In verse 13, for example, there's no temptation taken you, but such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way to escape. That a way means the only way, and I'm glad he does provide a way. Amen and amen. Now, if you would, if you'd like to stand, read with me, please, verse 16 following. The message entitled, From Examination to Transformation. From Examination to Transformation. I've just got a little brief window every Sunday to be able to pour into you. And my goal today is that God will prepare us, not only as we come to the table, but we're going to see there are three examinations, I think, that the Lord spoke to my heart about this week that I believe we can appropriate as we come to the Lord's table today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, being many, are one bread and one body. Underline that word, one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold, Israel, after the flesh, are they not which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar? What shall I say? What, shall, what say I then? That the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifices to idols is anything? Verse 20, but I say the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice the devils and the God. And I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. Verse 21, underline it, you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I like verse 23. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. That is, I can do anything I want to do, but some things I've got to realize might be a stumbling block to my brother. He'll tell us about that in a little bit. He said back to verse 23, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own will, but every man another's wealth. Hey, bottom line is this. People are watching you. They're watching me. And it does matter how we live. It does matter how we dress. It does matter where we go. It does matter how we talk. It does matter because we are either stepping stones or stumbling blocks. That's what he's fixing to say. Now skip down to verse 28. But if any man say unto you, this is offered and sacrificed unto idols, eat not for his, for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Hold your place there. Briefly, he's talking about this meat was offered to idols, and therefore some say we're not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. Others say we don't care. There's no such thing as idols anyway. And Paul's jumping into conversation and said, hey, wait a minute. If it causes this brother or this sister to stumble, even if it doesn't bother you, then you shouldn't do it, all right? Conscience sake. And then look verse in number 29. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. And I'll tell you what, brother, this will revolutionize your Christian life when you realize others are watching you and watching me. And so it's not just about you, what you and I want to do, but we can't use our liberty as a license and cause others to stumble. That's what he's saying here. Boy, this is a real awakening for a lot of us because I know it was for me when the Lord spoke to my heart about it. Now, verse 29 again. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other, for why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience. 
and then for if by grace be a partaker why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks whether we eat therefore whether therefore we eat or drink or whatsoever we do do it all to the glory of God well that's a great verse whether you eat or drink do it to the glory of God whatever music you're listening to do it to the glory of God can God get glory out of the music you're listening to can God get glory out of the television shows we watch can God get glory out of the movies we see can God get glory out of the places we go can God get glory out of the words we say hey whether we eat or drink whatever we do do it all to the glory of God how many of us today would need to surrender afresh and anew and say dear God I want to present my, my I want to dedicate my mind and my will and my emotions to you hey this is uh, what we're talking about coming around the Lord's table now look at verse 31 again he said whether you eat or drink whatsoever you do do it all to the glory of God and then verse 32 is a great verse give no none offense he begins to categorize three strands of the human race he notices notice what he said he said give no offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God this is a whole message in itself if you trace the Bible from the book of Genesis to Revelation you'll find out the first 2,000 years there were Gentiles believing Gentiles second 2,000 years Jews and they were not Christians Abraham was not a Christian he was a believing Jew so you got to distinguish the difference otherwise you get mixed up when you start reading the Bible especially when it comes to understanding the Word of God and then verse 33 even as I please all men and all things not seeking mine own profit but the profit of many that they may be saved father thank you Lord for your God just blessing us over and over again and I bless you today and worship you and ask you for fresh oil today and father prepare us as we gather around your table cleanse my heart of every sin of omission every sin of commission and I pray God that you prepare not only me but every single man woman boy and girl here today that would worship you in spirit and truth not just with our intellect Lord but yet Lord our hearts would go uh, out to you to let you have your will and way with us and I pray for those that aren't saved today that today would indeed be the day of salvation those of us that are father help us to really fellowship with you today and just enjoy your presence and your power and thank you for your peace we bless you we love you Lord and give you glory for what you've done and what you will do in Jesus name we pray amen and amen and amen you may be seated we're gathered around the Lord's table today and if you'll notice if you can see upon the screen I want to ask you before you come to the table there are three examinations that you and I need to take I think before we get to the Lord's table what is it and I believe uh, the, as we get around the Lord's table today there are three uh, questions and three examinations that I want you to consider with me today what are they number one are you going to watch this are you going to come to the Lord's table in unity are you going to come to the Lord's table in unity I get that from first Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 16 and 17 number two the second exam before we come to the Lord's table is not only are you and don't worry I'll get this on the screen are you going to come before the Lord's table but number two are you and I going to partake partake of the Lord's Supper not only in unity but in victory in victory I find that in the book of first Corinthians chapter 10 verses 21 and 22 and then number three are you and I going to uh, afterwards partaking in unity and victory are we going to 
depart, leave from participating in the Lord's Supper with liberty, with liberty. I find that also in the text, 1 Corinthians 10, verses uh, 32 and uh, 20, well, really 22 through 32. And so we're talking about gathering around the Lord's table. Now, I know I'm taking a little bit of time today, but I feel like this is utmost important. Why? Because often again, we're distracted, often again, we're not focused, often again, we've got things going on. And so here are the three examinations I want you to take today. Number one, are you going to come to the Lord's table today with unity or in unity? We'll talk about that in a moment. Number two, are you going to partake of the Lord's Supper with victory? And then number three, are you going to leave from fellowshipping with our Lord Jesus today with liberty? This is a challenge to me and a challenge to you. I know that it's going to be a challenge to you. So look with me, please, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. First, are you going to come to the Lord's table today in unity? I dare say many of us are out of unity. That is, we're disunity. <laughs> That's not a good word, but I made it anyway. I don't know if it's a word or not. But anyway, the point is, we're not in unity. Maybe not in unity with God, number one, upward, but also outward. Let me explain. Look at verse 16 again. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being, are, we being many are one bread and one body. What in the world is Paul saying? Listen to me, y'all listen to me. God's got a message for you today because you're going to be taken of the Lord's Supper in a moment. Most of you will. And this serious business, beloved. This isn't something to take haphazardly. And we don't just casually, you know, flippantly come to the Lord's table. Lest God have to chastise us because we don't examine ourselves. If we read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you'd find out Paul said, let every man examine himself before he comes to the Lord's table. Unless God has to judge you. God says, I want you to judge yourself lest I have to judge you. And then he said to the church of Corinth, many are sick, many are weak, many sleep. And I'm telling you, this is real serious. God sees this as real serious business. I know sometimes we, uh, it's hard to get focused, but that's my goal before we get around the table and the Lord put it in my heart that you get focused and I get focused. Now, here is the text, but then notice, for we are, though many, we be many are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Let me stop right there for a moment. And just ask you a question. Are you in unity with God today upward? And then are you in unity outward? Hey, unity is a very important subject in the Bible. Did you know that Psalm 133, the psalmist said, how good, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It's like the ointment that runs down the beard, even Aaron's beard, down to the skirts of his garment. Unity. The early church understood the importance of unity. We find in the book of Acts chapter 4, after that great outpouring of the Holy Spirit and after the persecution, both inwardly and outwardly of the church, the church understood the importance of coming together under the Lordship of Christ. Why and what did God do? Acts chapter 4, verses number 30, 31 and 32 the Word of God, Luke the physician, yea, the historian, wrote this. He said they were in all one accord. And when they prayed, the place was shaken. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And great grace was upon them all. Hey, look, that doesn't just happen when you're in disunity. That happens when you're in unity. Tell me, are you in unity today with God? Are you in unity today not only upward but outward with your relationship with your family, with your church family? Do you walk and talk with your church family and your God like we're supposed to? I don't know, but I know this. I know that, for example, in the book of Matthew chapter 18, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, in whom we're celebrating the Lord's Supper today, emphasized the matter of unity. For example, he said in Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20, Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth, if two of you shall agree. That's unity. Ah, it's hard for us to agree with each other, let alone come together and pray. Are you praying with somebody? Can you agree to pray with somebody? Have you got a burden today? Have you, are you needing a breakthrough today? There's something about unity. There's something about when we agree together. There's something about when we come together and say, God, I want your will in the matter. Jesus said, Again, I say unto you, if two of you shall agree on earth touching anything, they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father in heaven. Where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. We're talking about unity. First, I'm just setting the stage for the subject of unity. Remember, the first question, the first exam you're taking today is, are you and I going to come to the table today in unity? James chapter 5, verse 16, James said it this way. You know why more, more people don't get breakthroughs? You know why more people are dealing with worry and anxiety and why more people today are dealing with uh, things uh, that uh, can't get victory over? I'll tell you why. Because James 5 and 16, James, the half-brother of our Lord, said this, confess your faults one to another. Confess your faults one to another. Who, me? Confess my fault to you? Are you crazy? I'm not going to confess my fault to you. I'm going to keep my fault, and I'm going to live with my fault, and I'm not going to share it with anybody else. That's our mindset. And consequently, we don't get help. Consequently, we don't get breakthroughs. Consequently, strongholds remain in our life, and we remain insecure, we remain fearful, and we remain dominated by lust, and we remain resentful, and we remain bitter, and we remain unforgiven. Why? Because we hadn't unlocked the door to the key for victory in Jesus is unity. Oh, yes. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. For, what do you mean pray for one another? I can't even hardly pray myself, let alone pray for somebody else. Well, listen, my brother, you need to start praying. Whether you pray or not, you need to start. We've got other people weighing in the balance. We've got families weighing in the balance. We've got children and grandchildren that desperately need a touch from heaven. Can I get an amen? And we've got a community that's lost without God, a community that's headed to the lake of fire, a wide and broad gate. God help us to be serious about our relationship with the Lord. And so uh, all of you got, or let me just put it this way, how many got a cell phone? Everybody. Most everybody's got a cell phone, except for Nevaeh. Do you got a cell phone, Nevaeh? I wouldn't be surprised if you got one. <laughs> Amen. These young people today got them. Mom and daddy want to keep up with everywhere they go. Anyway, the point is, I don't know about your house, but can I tell you about my house, my cell phone? It doesn't pick up. I mean, I can go here and there in this room and that. It doesn't pick up at all. So if you call, <laughs> I probably won't even get the call until you leave a message. I have to walk outside 
and there in my yard on this uh, top of this kind of incline on the, uh, on the uh, side of the yard, I can finally pick up a signal. Question. Are you picking up a signal from God today? How many of you got a broken signal? What did you say? I can't hear you. Say that again. Can you hear me now? Are you picking up a signal with God? Are you, well, God, where are you? See, that's out of fellowship with God. That's what we're talking about, unity first. Upward unity. Are you in unity with God? I want to tell you something. Some of us need to get in a place where we can pick up a good signal with God today. We had not been picking up a good signal with God. You got to get in a position. You know how you get in that position? You, we get down and get honest with ourselves and our sin and our Savior. That's how we get honest with God. That's how we get unified. Oh, God, there's something standing between me and you. Are you in unity upward? Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 66 and verse 18. If we regard iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not hear us. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. He that covers the sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesses it and forsakes it shall have mercy. 1 John chapter number 1 and verse 5 following. God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, we lie and do not the truth. And we walk in darkness. God said you can sit in church and still be far from God. It don't matter how much you know, how many classes you've gone to, how long you've been preaching, what, who you are. Bottom line, see if you agree with me is every day is a new day and I got to start off with a clean slate if I want to walk with God every day. I'm not talking about sonship. You've been saved, thank God for it. I'm talking about fellowship with the Lord. I'm talking about walking with God every day. I'm talking about having a relationship with God. Not a religion, a relationship. It starts every day. It starts when you get up. It starts when you go down to bed every night. And it starts right now. So I'm trying to prepare you and me as we come to the Lord's table. What is your relationship like vertically? Listen, here's the good news. You say, Pastor, I'm not in relationship. I haven't talked with God in a while. I understand. I thank you for being honest. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess, if, conditional, you don't have to, if we confess, the word confess is homologamon, it means to admit. If we confess, what? Our sins, plural. Not just, oh God, forgive me of all my sin. No, if we want to be in fellowship with God, it's got to be specific. For example, if me and Kevin are friends, and we are, and say Kevin, uh, say Kevin something that uh, Kevin didn't really want me to do, or something Kevin wanted me to do, and I didn't do it. You think I'd be really in joyful fellowship with Kevin? I mean, if I did something that, that I shouldn't have done, or something I should have done for Kevin, and I didn't do it, you think Kevin's going to say, oh, Brother Randy, I sure, God bless you, I'm glad to see you. <laughs> as much as Kevin is a wonderful Christian man. Bottom line is this. What I'm trying to say is when we break fellowship with God, we, we, we got to deal with what broke fellowship with God over. No, don't just jump in and say, all right, now, God, I want you to do this, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do this. God said, well, wait a minute. Way back there, I, I still love you. You're still my child. I still got a plan for you. You're still going to heaven, but, but we're not really on speaking terms. Hello? We're not on speaking terms. Why? Because, because there's something that broke our fellowship. I lost a signal back there, and you got to get big back in signal. <laughs> are you in fellowship upwardly? Secondly, are you in fellowship outwardly with your family? What about the church family? 
Hey, listen to me. What about your own family? What about your neighbors? What about your co-workers? Oh, if I didn't have to work with them, man, I sure would have a lot of better time on my job. Listen to me. Outwardly, are we in fellowship? Why is it, why is it, beloved, that y'all can look at me like you, you don't know what I'm saying, but you do know what I'm saying. Why is it that we, and speaking of unity, you know, it's a difference in union and unity. We're all here today, together today in union, right? That doesn't mean we're in unity. Kind of like somebody said, tying two tomcats' tails together, throw them over a clothesline. You've got union, but you sure ain't got unity, I'll assure you. And so there's a difference in union and unity. Now, question. Why is it? Watch this. See if you agree with me. Now, I know you're going to play religious here for a moment because our first inclination is to put on the brake and say, wait a minute, not me. Pastor must be talking about somebody else. Why is it that we want to nitpick and fault find and criticize other brothers and sisters in the church? I can't hear you. Y'all went silent on me. Why is it that we want to nitpick and fault find and criticize people that don't dress like us, that don't talk like us, that don't walk like us, and they do things? And by the way, there are some baby Christians in church, and they will spill the milk, and they will mess up their diapers, somebody say amen. And they will do things that you won't do, and it's easy for us to look at them like a long-nosed, critical Pharisee, and instead of, watch this, instead of praying for them, we want to kick them. Or we, the, the church and Christians are notoriously known for shooting our wounded and kicking the ones that are on the ground. Brothers and sisters, I came to tell you today that we, the body of Christ, ought to be in the business of restoring each other. Not being so cotton-picking critical toward each other. I will tell you something. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. He that thinks he stand, take heed lest he fall. Don't you forget, there you go, but yet by the grace of God. Amen. You let anything, you say, oh, I'll never do that. I can't believe they did this. And they got on Facebook and they said this. Or they got on um, you know, social media. Or they said something to the church or did something to the church. Why under God's heaven can't we get with the Lord and begin to follow biblical principles when it comes to relating to each other instead of digging up dirt on each other and trying to get a crowd. And I think they didn't. I don't know, blah, blah. Man, that grieves the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, Paul said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed under the day of redemption. The word grieve, interesting to note, is the word lupio, which means to offend the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us we're to love each other. Listen to me. John 13.35, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. In 1 John 3.14, John said this, We know we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. Do you love everybody in the church? Can, is there anybody in the church right now you can't go up to and say, I really love you, brother. I appreciate you. I'm not saying you always see eye to eye. I'm not saying you always agree on everything together. But unity, watch this, unity. You know what unity is? It's maturity plus diversity equals unity. I'm not wired like you are. You're not wired like me. Somebody say amen. Thank God. <laughs> hey, but maturity plus diversity equals unity we've got to learn to appreciate each other 
I need some help there. I said we need to start appreciating each other. We need to say, thank God, I don't have your spiritual gifts. You don't have my spiritual gifts necessarily, but we're all under the body of Christ. We're all under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And thank God, God's got a plan for us. He's got a purpose for us. I don't know about you, but I want to finish faithful. I want to fulfill my purpose. I want to serve the Lord. I want to make a difference. And thank God, us together can do a lot more than me or you by yourself. Right. Unity. You know what the Lord says? Here it goes. I'll throw out a few verses to verify what or give you some basis of what I'm saying. Number one, we ought to be, instead of fault finding, we ought to be bearing one of those burdens. You want the verse? Galatians 6, 2. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. Y'all, y'all listen to me. When's the last time you came to the altar praying for another brother? Our sister in the church you knew was going through something. When? When? Oh, but I got all my problems. Well, if you'll start focusing on other people's problems, you'll find out that God will begin to meet your problems if you'll start reaching out to somebody else. Because our challenges is me, myself, and I. I got all my problems. I got my little family. I got my little world. And, and then we become introspective. And God says, hey, look, that's all right to pray for your family and pray for, your, you know, the needs. But, hey, I, there's a big world out there, and I've called you to be ambassadors for Christ. Witnesses, hello. Bear one of those burdens. Number two, pray for each other. Where do I get that? I get that in that great passage where Paul said in putting on the whole armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Look what he said at the end of that. You know what he said at verse 18, Ephesians 6, 18? After putting on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, going to about with truth, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and the shield of faith, and the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit. You know what he said? He said in verse 18 and 19, Praying always with all prayer and supplication for all saints, for all saints, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, for all saints, saints, S-A-I-N-T-S. There's two kinds of people, saints and ain'ts. <laughs> Which one are you? Hey, look, we need to be bearing each other's burdens. Not throwing rocks at each other, hello. Not shooting our wounded, hello. Not kicking somebody when they trip and fall, hello. But lifting them up and saying, bless God, I believe God's going to, um, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to bear, help bear burdens. Are you going to willing to do that? Man, it's easy to live in this old critical world of ours and get hardened and critical. I have to battle that all the time just like you do as well. Now, I'm not talking about there needs to be discernment, obviously. But wait a minute exhorting each other when's the last time you encouraged each other hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 the writer hebrews said exhorting one another daily while it's called today we should be praying for each other we should be exhorting each other we should be bearing each other's burdens then as i've already alluded to the verse james 5 16 we should be the scripture says not with anybody confessing our faults one to another praying for one another and furthermore what about Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24? You know what I'm supposed to do with you and you're supposed to be do with me as a Christian? In the body of Christ, here's what we're supposed to do. Provoke one another to good works. You know that word provoke means? Stir up. It means stir up each other to good works. So much more as the day approaches. Question, where are you at? Hey, number one, we're going to come to the Lord's table in a moment. Are you going to come in unity? Well, bless God, I, you don't know what I'm going through. 
I may not. Hey, watch this. Y'all listen to me. You can't help what happens on the outside, but you can help what happens on the inside. You can't help how people, what they do and how they live and so forth and so on, but you and I can't help. Number one, to be in unity with God. Don't you want to get in unity with God before you come to the table? I suggest you need to, okay? You need to. Not optional. You need to. You must do it. And then not only that, but if there's some brother or some sister or some situation, you need to deal with it, deal with it in a moment. Number two, come to the Lord's table, not only in unity, but watch. Are you going to partake of the Lord's Supper with victory? Look over in chapter 10 and verse number 20 and 21. Look at verse 21. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. See, he's saying this. Either you've got to be with me or you're against me. There's no such thing as fence straddling here. Are you serving God? Are you serious about your relationship with God? And, and you know, I heard about a convention the devil had down in hell, and one demon stood up and said, I know what we ought to do. What is it? We ought to get them Christians where they won't read their Bibles. Well, everybody jumped up and shouted. By the way, did y'all hear about Jasper County? All throughout Georgia today, the Bible's being read. Anybody hear that? I got an email yesterday. And matter of fact, Jasper County, chapter 66 of the book of Psalms to chapter 77. I'm glad of that, hallelujah. But you know what's more important than just reading the Bible? Obeying the Bible. I can't hear you. Obeying the Bible. Not just reading it, but obeying it. But wait a minute. Come to the Lord's table with victory. One demon stood up and said, well, I know what we could do. We'd get those Christians stop going to church. Woo! All the demons in hell said, that's good. But a third demon spoke up and said, I know what we're going to do. We're going to get them Christians where they just don't care. They just don't care. Oh, they'll do the minimum, but they don't care. They don't really care about lost souls. They don't really care about their spiritual growth. They don't care necessarily about the things of God like they are. Woo! Everyone said, that's a great plan. Are we drinking of the cup of the devil or drinking of the cup of the Lord? Well, what does it mean to drink of the cup of the devil? Well, you know what it means. And what does it mean to drink of the cup of the Lord? It means the precious blood of Jesus. That's what it means. You cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Some of you today need to draw the line and say, you know, I've been, I've been fence straddling long enough. I've been playing games long enough. I've just been kind of having one foot here and one foot there, and, and I need to come on out. Be the, like uh, uh, Moses it was that said, who is on the Lord's side? You know what the blood of Christ does? I'm moving forward. Here's what it means. The cup of the Lord is the blood of Jesus, the cleansing blood, the precious blood, the redeeming blood, the overcoming blood. Let me just tell you, as we prepare our hearts to get around the table in just a moment, think about what the cup represents. First, the cleansing blood of Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. In the book of Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, John said this, Now to him that loved us, agape love, and watched us, from our sins in his own blood. He washed us. Oh, I feel like shouting right there. He washed us from our sins. He washed us. You know what that word wash is? It's the word, it's the word uh, luo. And the word luo means to loose. He's loosed us from our sins. Now to him. This is what the blood represents. Oh, praise God. He's loosed us from our sins. You know what I used to think when after the Lord saved me at the age of 21 years old? Can I testify? Is it all right? Can I testify? 
Thank you. Here's what the Lord showed me. At 21 years old, I was so self-sufficient. I was so self-dependent. I was so self-satisfying like many of us battle with today. And the Lord showed me after he saved me. I don't know about you, but I got to thinking about all the stuff I'd done. Now, you, wait a minute, time out. You stop and think right now. Those of you who've been redeemed by the blood, purchased by the blood, bought by the blood, and those of us who've been cleansed by the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1, 7. And not only cleansed, but we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, Ephesians 1, 7. Think about it now. All the stuff you've done in your life. How many of y'all have done some bad stuff? I've done some bad stuff. And if you didn't raise your hand, you've still done some bad stuff, okay? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None righteous, no, not one. In fact, Paul said, uh, that that I will do, I find myself not doing that. What I don't do, I find myself doing it. Bottom line is we need God's grace and his forgiveness not only to go to heaven but to have a little heaven in us day by day. Amen. And walking with the Lord is what we're talking about. We're talking about coming to the Lord's table. When I was that age, and I, I said, no, God, there's no way you could forgive all the stuff I've done. There's, I just had a hard time. And like some of you, I had a hard time dealing. You know you're living in sin, don't you? You know you got stuff going on that's not right with God. And yet God still loves you. And God still forgives you. And you're still a child of God. You say, I don't feel worthy. It's not about how you feel. It's about what God has done. And I want to tell you something. Y'all look up here. I want to tell you something. Listen, brother. Listen, sister. It's not you can't earn it. God showed me it's the power of the blood of the Lamb. Woo! Glory, glory, glory. The power of the blood of the Lamb. It washes our sin away. It removes the stain and the guilt and the condemnation. There's power in the blood. Oh, yes, there is. And you know you've done some bad stuff in your life. You know you have. That's why, you know what I'll tell you? Why I love Jesus? Because of that. I said, God, I don't understand it. I got to earn it. Nope, you can't earn this. You can't be good enough for this. Well, I had a real problem there. Like some of you right now are having a hard time believing God can forgive you. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he's done. It's not about where you've been. It's about where you're going. If you're a Christian, somebody ought to say hallelujah for the blood. Somebody ought to say, I thank God. What a Savior I've got. Yes, power, the power of the blood. So are you going to come to the Lord's table today in victory? Are you? Are we going to come to the Lord's table today not only with unity but in victory? Celebrating, celebrating. Yes, realizing without him we can do nothing. And then number three, and I'll be done, are you going to leave from fellowshipping with our Lord Jesus today with liberty? Now focus again on these verses, verse 23 and 20, 23 through 33. Liberty, liberty. Listen, just because we come to the table today, we can enter in the holiest of all. and We can fellowship with the Most High God. And we can bask in His presence. And we can say, I love you, Lord, and bless Him for all that He's done and doing. Wait, wait a minute. That's just a part of it. When you leave, when you leave, in just a few moments, when you leave, are you going to leave with liberty? That's what the Lord spoke to me about. Liberty. Look at verse 23. But now, having no more in place in these parts and having great desire 
wait a minute, I'm in chapter 15 of Romans. <laughs> How in the world do I get in 15 of Romans? I'm sorry, that didn't sound right. Hey, go back to chapter number 10 of the book of 1 Corinthians. Look at verse 23, okay? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Y'all stop right there. Y'all listen to me. I love you, but I got to challenge you, okay? I want y'all to hear me. I gotta go, I, I'm going to try to slow down because I know I talk fast and I know time and I'm so time conscious all the time it seems, especially in church, believe it or not. <laughs> but all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. I want you to examine your life and your decisions in your life right now. You say, I have the right to go to see this movie. I have the right to watch this. I have the right to do what I want to do. When you get saved, you really gave up your right. Truthfully, we're not our own. We're bought with a price. To me, the biggest sin, the cardinal sin, if you will, in the Christian life is the right to myself. I have the right to do what I want to do. That's our biggest, biggest problem once we become a Christian. What, what am I saying? Well, if I want to do this, I'm going to do it. Who's watching you do it? More than, yeah, Jesus is watching you, right. But so are your neighbors and so are your coworkers and so is your family watching you. Do you really have liberty to do what you want to do? People are watching you. And either we're lifting people up or we're tripping them over. But that's just it. You don't care, do you? Most Christians don't care. That's what I said. The demons in hell. I don't care. I'll do what I want to do. Let them do what they want to do. Bottom line. You don't realize that is an immature, carnal Christian mindset. Hello. I love you, but i got to be honest with you. If you read the Bible, now if you don't read the Bible, then you can make up your own rules, okay? I'm a spiritual Christian. And, but if you read the Bible, you've got to come away saying, this is a carnal, I'm, I'm, I'm living a carnal life. So the point is this. When I leave here, pleasing the Lord is number one. But also, i got to recognize, i got to recognize I've got to guard my testimony. Now, that doesn't mean you won't slip and fall. That doesn't mean you don't take your eyes off Jesus. Three thoughts and I'm done. Three thoughts and I'm done. What does it mean to leave with liberty? Three thoughts. One, guard your testimony. Two, serve and minister. Three, leave a lasting legacy. Here it is right here on the screen. Guard your testimony. Serve the Lord in ministry. Whatever we do, do it all to the glory of God. Whether we eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. To the, to the glory of God. I don't know about you, but times I have to examine my heart and say, God, does this really bring you glory? Have you ever taken that test? I know some of y'all want to cut me off real quick. I know it's just getting real, real personal here. I understand, but that's all right. That's my goal. So don't cut me off yet. There's an exam you've got to take for everything you do. Is this going to bring glory to God? Is this music I'm listening to going to bring glory to God? If it doesn't bring God glory and you're a Christian, you shouldn't listen to it. 
I'm not being legalistic. I'm telling you how to live in a love relationship with the Lord and how to make an influence and a difference in people's lives. Not perfection, mind you, but this is what Paul's talking about. All things are expedient for me, lawful for me. I can do anything I want to do, but all things are not expedient. They're not profitable. It's going to create a stumbling block. If it's going to cause my weaker brother to stumble because stuff's been offered to idols, I don't care about an idol. I can eat that ham sandwich and it won't bother me a bit. But if my brother's stumbling, even though it don't bother me at all, I'm not going to eat the ham sandwich because I don't want somebody to stumble over me. You come to that place in your Christian life, I think this is really, honestly, and I'm not all there yet, but listen to me, I think this is a real sign of maturity when you get to this place in your life. This is a real sign of maturity. If you hadn't gotten to this place in your life, then chances are there's some needs in every one of us. So guard your testimony. Guard your testimony. And then not only that, but serve the Lord in ministry. That's what Paul's saying. And then last, leave a lasting legacy. Leave a lasting legacy. I've set the table for us today the best I can, as feeble as it's been. I want you today, right now, as our men come to prepare our table, would you stand to your feet?